Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. This is the News Roundup, all things impacting global supply chains this week. Well, Brent crude went below the $100 mark this week. It's down to around $95, $96 presently, and that's pre-pandemic level oil prices. If you remember, before the pandemic took hold, they were around that sort of mark. Perhaps a bit lower, in fact, at some parts. But they have been as high as $120 a barrel. The euro and the US dollar have hit parity at around 1.18 to the pound. And that's on the expectation that there are going to be more US interest rate hikes that will attract more demand for the dollar. Liquefied natural gas prices have also fallen by 1%. Earlier in the week, gas future prices in the United States fell by 4%, which followed an 8% drop in oil prices. So perhaps we'll see the start of energy prices going in a downward trajectory. And of course this week, the European Union is concerned that the maintenance work on Nordstrom 1 that the Russian oil company Gazprom has put in place has stopped any gas coming through that pipeline. And they're now concerned what's going to happen in the winter months. There would be a strain even if the weather was bad without the war. But many fear this is just a political move by Russia to cut off gas from Europe. So there's a lot of effort going into finding new sources of supply at present. And that would be quite a good thing if that was to take away the stranglehold that Russia has. U.S. production at factories has dropped for a second straight month. In June, output of motor vehicles is down, along with a range of other goods. Israel rate hikes continue to rise. They're at a 14-year high at 4.4% in June. Inflation may be growing, but not as much as in Europe and the United States. This weekend, the heat wave in Europe is likely to bring temperatures of 40 degrees or more. And so that might tell us there's something a little bigger than our worldly thoughts about commodity prices and food and the war in Ukraine, as important as they all are. Climate change the evidence is clear. China's economy has suffered a great deal from the COVID-19 pandemic, and the lockdown policy has had a great impact on China's output. An output in China is just 0.4 of a percentage point in the last month. Only a week ago, I was telling you about Boris Johnson's resignation as UK Prime Minister. Well, there's been a contest going on to replace him in the United Kingdom during the past week, with all the candidates putting forward their policies to their party. And next week, to the last two and the final two, go out for a vote amongst Conservative Party members. But that isn't expected to be settled until September. Seems to take a heck of a long time. The worrying thing is the level of debate. I think that's much more worrying than who's going to be the Prime Minister. UK politicians seem to have great difficulty looking at the bigger landscape outside of 
their small world view. In the United States, retail sales increased by 1% in June. Americans spent more on gasoline and other goods with soaring inflation. Economic growth is slow and people are becoming concerned about a recession happening. As China's output falls too, there is concern worldwide about the likelihood of recession. Shanghai has seen output fall by 13% over the past year, and they're the biggest export centre. So if their GDP is down by that kind of figure, then that is a problem for China. There's an expectation that China might put some stimulus measures in place to stave off stagflation. GDP in the capital at Beijing fell by 2.9% year on year. Many analysts wonder if China will continue with its zero-tolerance lockdown policies. Now, do you remember the Aston Martin used in the early James Bond films? A fantastic-looking car it was. Well, apparently, a Saudi wealth fund is about to become Aston Martin's second-largest shareholder. It was reported on Friday. The shares of Aston Martin are up 20%, Mercedes and Utri are to cut their stakes, and there's going to be a separate rights issue of £575 million. It's a company that's 109 years old, and it wants to lower its debt to invest in new models. PIF will own 16.7% of Aston Martin and will be entitled to two board seats. The Sovereign Wealth Fund, which owns a stake in electric car maker Lucid Motors and British supercar group McLaren, has been diversifying its oil-rich investment portfolio. Britain announced on Friday that it was updating its Typhoon aircraft. New radar equipment will be fitted, and the Defence Procurement Minister Jeremy Quinn said the investment marks the first production contract for a long-planned advanced electronic attack or jamming capability for the British version of the European warplane, which was jointly developed with Germany, Italy and Spain. Well, I think we will find that that's probably money well spent. In Berlin, German conservative politicians are discussing three nuclear power plants and there is public support for those in the face of possible cuts of Russian gas. Of course, this type of investment is highly sensitive with climate change and sustainability and, of course, with Germany's ruling Green Party, which grew as an anti-nuclear movement in the 1970s. Obviously, concerns were raised when the Fukushima nuclear disaster happened in Japan in 2011. But I think it's time to consider diversification of fuel sources. And the current situation with Russia in Ukraine just demonstrates the fallibility of relying on a single source and importing from that source. If you put too much reliance on that single source, then they've got control of the whole supply chain. Not a good idea. The European Union's Vice President, Marguerite Vestager, told a news conference, among the many technologies required, hydrogen proves to be an indispensable component. Hydrogen, of course, is a clean fuel and that satisfies many climate change conditions. And there's obviously a need in Europe 
to diversify supply away from Russia and dependency on Russia. And they've announced today, the European Commission, that they've invested $5.4 billion, could be euros now because they're at the same exchange rate, $5.4 billion on a hydrogen project funded by 15 of the European Union countries. And it includes 35 companies, including Alstrom, Daimler, Truck, Bosch, Enel and Saldo, Vincentieri, Orsted, Plastic, Omnium and others. It's reported from India that the monsoon rain in the first half of July has accelerated planting of main summer sown crops, those such as soybean, cotton and pulses. Rice planting is still lagging behind. Farmers planted summer sown crops on 59.2 million hectares in July, which is slightly higher than the 59.1 million hectares a year ago. So that's a report from the Ministry of Agriculture. There's still some problems in North India because they've received above normal rainfall so far this month, and that's delaying the project there. The Wholesale Price Index in India, which is their measurement of inflation, stood at 15% in June, according to government data. Inflation's been driven higher by crude oil prices and domestic prices for fuel. And there's little sign that this is going to change in the near future. These prices, of course, are equivalent to a producer price index. European car sales stand at their lowest since 1996, it was reported this week. Sales of new cars have dropped by 50%. Car manufacturers have sold just about 1.06 million vehicles this year. Volvo fell by 47.9% in June, and Jaguar Land Group also saw a fall in sales of 13.2%. But they've had a 34.7% fall over the year. It's blamed on inflation, supply chain bottlenecks and the pandemic COVID-19. Major car makers such as BMW and Stellantis have reported falling sales globally ahead of the second quarter results published later this month. Car registrations are also down in Spain, Italy, Germany and France, as well of course as the United Kingdom. So a bleak outlook for car manufacturers presently. And of course, Lots of change going on in the industry with the shift from petrol and diesel vehicles to electric vehicles. So tricky times. The US government has been keen to build what's called Chip 4, which is an alliance between the United States, Taiwan, Japan and South Korea. And this is to ensure the supply of microchips for everything that needs them. South Korea exported $69 billion of memory chips in 2021, and of those, China took up 48%, according to the Korean International Trade Association data. So certainly something needs to be done about uh, chips. So chip 4 might be a good idea, and you can see the 4. United States, Taiwan, Japan, and South Korea. Now, you may remember that McDonald's pulled out of Russia when the sanctions against Russia were announced. And this week, it's been reported 
in Moscow that French fries are refusing to supply to the country and warned that attempts to increase domestic processing are fraught with difficulties. McDonald's quit Russia because of the military campaign in Ukraine and sold all the restaurants it owned to a local licensee in May. The restaurants began opening under a new name, Vakuzno Antoshka, or Tasty and That's It, as a translation, on the 12th of June. It sold almost 120,000 burgers on the opening day. They've been keen to push the standards, and they blame the shortage of French fries until this autumn on the poor harvest in Russia and supply chain problems. But apparently all producers of fries have refused to uh, supply. Moscow has deemed all countries that refuse to supply Russia as unfriendly. I don't think there's anything more unfriendly than walking into your neighbour's country with military hardware, destroying the infrastructure and killing people. Ironic, isn't it? Now, it was Amazon Prime Day this week, and US online sales of Amazon's Prime Day sales reached $12 billion. So that's $12 billion of online sales during Prime Day shopping event. That's an increase of 8.5% on the previous year. As inflation hit, Americans jumped on these discounted essentials and electronics. It's a two-day sale. It took place on July the 12th and 13th. And it's the biggest ever global sales day. This Prime loyalty program produced $300 million sales. And that's about 100,000 products for every minute in the 48-hour period. So consumers were let loose and uh, obviously sought out the bargain. Toys apparently had the biggest discount, with markdowns of around 15%. Apparel was discounted by 12%, and the electronics sold on Amazon about 6%. So... As uh, one trip retail slogan in the UK says, every little helps. A week ago, the International Energy Agency said that nations need to expand their own solar production to secure the supplies needed to meet climate change goals. About 90% of US solar panels are made overseas, and that reliance is mainly on China. So with all the threats with supply chain disruptions and import tariff threats, and uh, higher levels of border scrutiny, that's putting pressure on the United States to produce its own solar panels. And they've decided to invest $56 million into the program to spur that domestic manufacturing production as the US seeks to move to clean energy and away from that dependence on China. Tesla has raised car prices a number of times during the past months as the cost of raw materials from aluminium to the lithium used in the batteries have surged and there's been a shortage of supply for the chips that go in the cars. There's concern over the inflation in the United States and US consumer prices have jumped to 9.1%, a 41-year high in June. Gasoline and food prices have also risen But Elon Musk has said that he will lower Tesla prices if uh, inflation becomes less of a problem. The European Union has two ongoing investigations into Amazon, and that's about its use of its monopoly powers to try and control 
sellers' data on its platform. Amazon apparently has been accused of using sellers' data, getting hold of that data, and of course then it's able to adjust its prices and its offers to actually get a better market position. And the EU has said it'll take action, it will fine them, there'll be hefty fines, but Amazon has said they'll stop using that data and they'll also allow sellers on the platform to arrange their own logistics carriers other than Amazon, if they wish to. So they're really trying to uh, eliminate that fine. Amazon said it has plans to create more than 4,000 jobs in the United Kingdom this year. The roles will involve warehouse staff in Wakefield and Knowsley, and it would make it one of the UK's top 10 private sector employers. The jobs are permanent, and the total staff in the UK would reach a total of 75,000. The company created 25,000 jobs in 2021 as the COVID pandemic raised the level of sales for online retailers and Amazon was a major beneficiary. It opened four new warehouses across the UK in 2021. People now do more shopping online than before the pandemic and Amazon hopes to benefit from that. But there have been criticisms of working conditions at Amazon warehouses and there's been resistance from the company for workers to unionize. The first Amazon Employers Union was created in Staten Island in New York in April 2022, but that was after a hard-fought battle. I suspect more will follow. Gartner North, Carolina and Campbellsville, Kentucky, all on the cards. Fulfillment centers in Bolton, Swansea, will continue to create roles away from London and city centres. There's about 85,000 British small and medium-sized businesses that sell their goods on Amazon, and it supports about another 250,000 jobs across the UK. So it's a big employer, but it has wider implications for the wider economy. Amazon, of course, has invested billions of pounds across the United Kingdom, which makes it one of the UK's most significant job creators in recent years. It's also created 1,500 new apprenticeships in 2022. So, does a lot of good, just needs to control the bad. In the United Kingdom, there's still the prospect of rail strikes. There are two more planned in July 27th and 30th, and it's likely to be continued unless there's a settlement. The rail union said that they want an inflation-matched settlement. Well, with the cost of everything going up, one really can't blame people for asking inflation to be taken into account in the settlements. It's up to governments, of course, to try and control inflation. We also have the prospect of further strikes in different industries. BT workers, that's British Telecom, are to strike for two days also. It looks like the love affair with working from home may also be over, particularly at Sports Direct, because they've said that workers will no longer be allowed to take Fraser's Fridays, which is the flexible working policy that was introduced in 2020. A spokesperson for the company said that uh, they didn't believe it was working very well. It was much better if they came into the office and had the discipline of an office environment. A lot of people weren't contactable on Fridays, and, uh, well, the suggestion is that they're abusing the policy of working at home. So the flexible hybrid working pattern might be disappearing for the uh, Sports Direct group. 
Interestingly, other companies seem to make it work reasonably well. And I listened to one recruitment consultant talking recently who said that uh, there was now an expectation that 80% of people would have some form of hybrid working. That's, of course, where it's possible, where you're doing sort of administrative tasks and you can work anywhere if you're connected. So, remains to see how this situation develops. Sports Direct, of course, hasn't got a great track record on uh, employment practices. Well, that's it for the News Roundup this week. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. I'll see you in the midweek edition. Bye for now. been listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, written, presented, and produced by Tony Hines.